Kshatriya might think this is a good place for hunting animals. A Vaisha might think that, uh, well, maybe I could buy up the forest and sell off the wood and make a housing colony and make a lot of money. And, or a businessman, I think, but that's a traditional Vaisha. Uh, and a shooter might think, well, I'll bring my girlfriend and we'll have a party, and we'll bring all our friends and we'll drink alcohol and have illicit sex. So, different people see it in different ways. A devotee sees this is all Krishna's property. So, we should uh, offer everything to Krishna. Vandake Brahmahoy Avrindavan. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw any parts, he saw Vrindavan. So there are different ways of looking for into our consciousness. So uh, people are, our whole way of looking at the world is shaped by various influences. And we're very strongly influenced by the educational system, the mass media, so that we think that getting a job and getting money and then uh, maybe going on a holiday somewhere that's life that's all there is to it so this very uh, highly materialistic society has come about in the west due to a, uh, a long series of uh, various influences on the way people think So, uh, I was saying, Vridananda Maharaja Sri about the Renaissance. He didn't speak all these things, but I just spoke. He was speaking that. And I was thinking about the Renaissance because, uh, as he was explaining, the Renaissance was a time in Europe, approximately, uh, I guess, from the 12th to the 14th century, after what was called the Middle Ages, in which ways of thinking changed. In Europe, for more than a thousand years prior to that, it was more or less a stable society, and stable, uh, I mean, there may be wars and this and that, but the social system and the way of thinking was more or less the same, and more or less everyone was Christian. And the Renaissance uh, changed that. People started to think differently. Their ways of looking at the world. Um, there were various influences on this. One was that uh, someone started looking through a telescope. Galileo. Uh, before him, Copernicus. And seeing that what appeared the what appeared from the empiric evidence uh, didn't tally with what the church said. And so they started to doubt what the church said. And then from this came the whole idea that, that previously people were saying, every reality, what, what people consider to be reality and the whole purpose of life and the way of living life was determined by uh, what the church said. But that changed, and people started to think, well, we should think for ourselves, and 
That was one thing. And then another thing was that in, uh, in Italy, the, uh, intellectual work of the ancient Romans and Greeks was first rediscovered. Uh, Plato, Aristotle, his, uh, Socrates, and many others, uh, they were rediscovered, they were there, the philosophical and scientific work of these mathematical work of these uh, thinking people of Greece was rediscovered. Greece and Rome was rediscovered. Greece also, also uh, was where in the Western world they first had the concept of democracy, which wasn't there in prior to the Renaissance. So it was a time of rediscovering uh, Europe's philosophical, cultural, and intellectual roots, and it it revolutionized the whole. It, it was a major influence in revolutionizing the whole way of life in the Western world, which is through various factors, uh, scientific discoveries, as. Uh, and then the whole commercial uh, uh, ethos, which is common in the world at the present time. Uh, there have been many, many influences that have shaped the, the way people think in the world, or what their consciousness is like. But, uh, Prominent in the world at the present time is the, what we can broadly say is the Western materialistic worldview, which has its roots in the Renaissance, which wasn't uh, wholly anti-theistic, but uh, anyway, it's a complex history. And just he's talking about just the point that he made. Uh, about the Renaissance history about how Europe went back to its uh, cultural and philosophical and intellectual roots. So hearing that, I thought, well, it's about time India had a Renaissance. Because uh, actually the uh, Christianity, although we tend to think of it as a European religion, uh, it's not. It came out of the, the Middle East. Uh, and uh, it was later adopted by the Roman Empire and, and, and spread all over Europe. But prior to that, there were uh, religions in Europe which now they call uh, pagan, which is it's like a pejorative term or a bad word. It's like uh, calling it heathens or pakandi pakandi it's, it's a bad word but actually it, it appears that it was uh, more or less what we would nowadays call Hinduism and there, but it's all it's been all traces of it have been almost all traces have been completely destroyed by the Christians uh, when, when Christianity came in they destroyed the old religion although there are still some traces of it. In England, there's a huge 
rocks which are set in a certain pattern which in a place called Stonehenge, everyone in England has heard of Stonehenge and uh, it's seen that that was a uh, that was a place where where uh, priests of the pre-Christian religion would gather and it's, it's all astrono- astronomically uh, aligned and even now in uh, part of the Russian Federation there's one Republic, Chuasha Republic. It's a small area where people never gave up their pre-Christian religion. In Lithuania, often, I think only about 200 years ago, the, the country became Christian. So, uh, like this, the, 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 uh, there was a pre-Christian religion in Europe that's largely forgotten by Another influence came in. Now, India's situation, of course, is somewhat different. The influence of Western culture and civilization is tremendous in India. I mean, just look at the way most of you are dressed, at least the men. And even the women who are wearing salwa kameez, that's also not traditional. Well, it has become traditional in the course of time, but it's not actually an Indian word. I mean, the very name, Salwar Kameez, is definitely not Sanskrit. That's coming from another language. Uh, and the, the attitudes of life, but still the, uh, the influences of that uh, Hinduism, or again, for want of a better term, Hinduism is still very strong. Which, I mean, the very I'm saying that the way many of you are dressed shows the Western influence, but the very fact that you are here shows the traditional influence, right? You came here to hear something about Krishna. I'm not talking much about Krishna directly, but again, for preaching, uh, and we we are preaching Krishna conscious, so we should have some idea of what kind of consciousness people are in, they're not in Krishna consciousness. Because if we just walk up to people and say, surrender to Krishna, and they'll say, well, believe in Jesus. I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in any religion. People won't just accept it. I mean, even Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, he didn't say to Arjuna, you just believe me. He, he He explained to Arjuna why Arjuna should follow what Krishna said. Now, one term that Krishna uses often in Bhagavad Gita is Shraddha, faith, but it's not blind faith. Actually, Shraddha is translated as faith, but it literally means placing your heart. It doesn't mean blind faith. It's not exactly the same word as what is considered faith. In in, uh, both Christianity and Islam, it's the idea is that you should just believe. But Krishna never tells Arjuna, "Will you just listen? I'm God, and you just believe me, or I'll chuck you in hell forever." He never said that. He, he wanted Arjuna to understand philosophically. So, uh, you know, as I said, that in India, the the, the uh, 
they never for, forgot their roots, although the Western influence has been very strong. And people in India tend to think that uh, higher learning is in the West, which is why people go to the West or they send their children to the West. Or nowadays they have uh, a Cambridge Board education, for instance, in India itself. And it's become prominent. They have these international schools where you get kind of international kind of education and this and that. So there's very much the idea that uh, even among uh, people who are pious Hindus, they think, well, Hinduism is nice, but uh, for higher education we have to look to the West. So it's time for a renaissance in India because uh, although the West is very proud of its education and actually the world's in a big mess and it's due to the worldview of the Western consumeristic exploitive society. The, the problems we the, the social, political, economic, ecological, and the individual level, psychological problems, they all have their root. I mean, they're all very, more or less directly connected to the largely mistaken Western worldview. If I say this, uh, in India, people, they, they, if we say that the Western way of thinking is a complete mess, the world's a disaster, Indian people don't believe it, mostly. They say they're still thinking, oh, it's great, it's wonderful, but uh, in the West, if I go to the West and tell them that you know, you're, all, you're all cheated and misled by this society, many people will accept it. And it's an increasing number. I mean, there are so many factors in this. But uh, Indians in general are very much enamored by the uh, by the West, which is why Srila Prabhupada, he brought Westerners to, to India for preaching, because he was preaching perfect Paramahamsa Mahabhagavad, and they just thought, hey, he's there. And Al-Sadhu. Give him a few, give him ten paisa or Bhagada. Just get him out, you know. People didn't take him seriously. Not very serious. But when he brought Western people, Oh, the Western is a giant Krishna. Then we should too. <laughs> but it's really time that India rediscovered her own culture. Uh, a lot of it, just like the pagan or pre-Christian culture in the West, has been lost or destroyed. But there are st- there's still much of it, except even today. Uh, just like, for instance... There's that uh, pillar that's called, what's it called? In uh, Delhi, that's standing there. Kutabmina. But actually, I saw something recently which said that it's not made by Muslims. It's, it has an older past. It's just, it's been renamed. It's actually made by Hindus. Dhruva's Dhamma. Yeah, there's, if you look at it from the. Uh, from the from the top, you can. I can't remember. I, if anyone wants, I have the uh, some PDF file about this, which explains. It shows that actually it's not an Islamic uh, edifice. So uh, 
It's just an example. No one has any clue how to make such good, pure iron nowadays. And uh, how I can just stand there without being attached to anything. So that's an example. And actually in all fields of knowledge, in engineering, metallurgy, geology, astronomy, you see, astrology is still very much part of modern Indian life, and people who are so-called scientific, they think, ah, astrology, that's all stupid. But astrology is based on astronomy, right? And using the, the ancient Indian astronomers, they could predict eclipses, and they, they, you give them the, any place, they can tell you the time of the sunrise, 50 years ago, 1,000 years ago, so they had very precise knowledge. Otherwise, they could. There was precise knowledge of astronomy. Otherwise, how could there be astrology? Astrology is based on precise knowledge of astronomy and uh, medicine. Even today, you'll find Ayurveda is very prominent, and it works. It may not work as well as it used to do because, due to uh, like anything else. There's dharmaglani. Everything is, in course of time, in Kali Yoga, things tend to decay. And even the herbs may not have as much power as they had previously. And people are much more messed up physically than they used to be. And uh, the doctors themselves may not be so expert as they used to be. But still, it has effects. People are coming from the West to get Ayurvedic treatment. It's... Uh, so in, in mathematics, Vedic mathematics, I don't know how, one of the recent Shankaracharyas, he more or less revived that, Vedic mathematics, where you can give someone who's trained in that, you can give them two nine-digit numbers, you can just tell them, and quicker than someone can punch it into a computer, they can multiply it. They can just verbally just say the what, what it is, the, the result of multiplying two nine-digit numbers. I mean, most of us, especially those nowadays who everyone uses calculators, if you were asked to do a nine-digit number, two, multiply two nine-digit numbers, then uh, most of us would probably make a mistake and get it wrong. Because we're not used to it. If we had to do it just mentally, but they'll, they'll do it on the spot. They'll just do it. What other fields? All fields. All fields of knowledge. I mean, there was tremendous culture, and the the point of that culture uh, is ultimately spiritual realization. Even materially, there was tremendous knowledge. I mean, there, there, the, the modern Western or materialistic way of thinking is very gross, actually. I mean, just like the modern Western system is just inject something give some chemical, have a surgery. But Ayurveda is much more subtle because it understands many of the subtle forces of the universe. So uh, similarly, just like in agriculture, people will, they'll wait for the, uh, they'll wait for the solstice or, or on a certain day they know this is the time when we have to plant the seeds and then you have to, before Plowing, you have to pray to the certain devatas, maybe the ground devatas. You are very aware of the uh, 
of all the subtle forces within nature, but people don't believe in that nowadays. So they just, you see, they brought the green revolution and, and they started producing so much food and it looked very good. In modern science, what's that? There's produced so much food, but the green revolution has failed now. The soil in India is spoiled and, uh, the pesticides don't work, you have to put more and more and more, it's causing more and more cancer, the cancer was unknown in India, now it's common, because one major cause is because they're putting so much pesticides on the food, the whole ecological balance is disturbed. So the so-called uh, green revolution, like anything else uh, in the material world which looks good, it looked like it had a good result, but nowadays it seemed to be, a, it's, it's a disaster. Actually, the long-term result is a disaster. And, uh, so, uh, it's time that India had a renaissance and discovered its own spirit, material and spiritual roots. India's culture is the most advanced culture in the world, in all ways. The original culture. But the Westerners in particular, they... Uh, made propaganda that Indian culture is something very low class and stupid. Actually, some of the first Westerners who came to India, they were very impressed by the culture. But then it became uh, almost like a, a condition that if you're a real Englishman, you have to hate Indian culture. And they tried to show in so many ways that Indian culture is very uh, stupid. I remember I was brought up thinking like that. that anything, anything Indian must be really useless. Now it's interesting that uh, according to the uh, anthropology, this, the science of man, which goes on according to Darwinian principles, which are of course bogus, but uh, they say that we can understand how developed a culture is according to the level of its language. Apparently there are some languages in Africa which only have 300 words. So obviously it's not a very developed uh, culture because we talk about consciousness, we think in words. So a language which has a, a, a highly uh, developed Language, we can understand that there's a rich intellectual life. Now, uh, there's no language in the world that even begins to parallel Sanskrit. But they say that, well, this is all, these people are primitive. Well, if they're primitive, how did they get such a sophisticated language? With uh, specialized vocabularies for in, in their specialized just like you'll find in the modern English, there's specialized vocabulary for medicine, law, uh, astronomy, physics, all these things. So there is also in, uh, in Sanskrit, there are, there are specific words. Uh, also, just like uh, we're talking about Vedic mathematics, they're saying that, who is that? Uh, there's, the, uh, was it Pythagoras was supposed to have discovered you know, the head, he was, he was the first who made geometry, but all the words, are, just like we have in, even today the same words are used in Indian languages for triangle, trikona, 
And there are words for sine and cosine, I can't remember the Sanskrit words. So they, they had all this. All these words, circumference, radius, knowledge of pi was there. Pi here, and I'm not cooking pies, but scientific. So, uh, yeah, they had all these things. So, uh, actually, in in uh, linguistic studies in the West, the study of grammar. Do you know how that began? When when uh, Westerners came to, there was no study of grammar in Western languages. There was there was no study of linguistics. But when they came to India and they saw that the ancient science of grammar given by Parmini, then then they started thinking, oh, we could analyze our own language like that also. There was no no concept or idea of linguistic studies until they came to India. So it's time that Indians rediscovered their culture because the... uh, the Western civilization has actually failed. The world is in a terrible mess and getting worse at every moment. I mean, just look at your newspaper. I mean, maybe don't look at the newspaper because uh, they don't even tell you what the news is. The newspapers are propaganda machines, after all. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's in a terrible mess. You can see that, and we can see the influence of Western culture on India. That although it's supposed to be more progressive, but the the family structure is breaking down. Children don't respect their parents. I mean, the whole idea of having less children is a complete. It's a modern Western idea. Otherwise, in India, people actually all over the world, people like to have children, but it's become a burden because people have to work so hard. They, they, and everything is expensive. It's so expensive to have children, although there's no problem in previous societies which were agrarian-based. Children were an asset, actually. They weren't, they weren't a financial burden. So, uh, anyway, in brief, I won't go into it in great detail, but the world is a great mess, and people are looking for solutions. And actually, India has all the solutions, because all the problems, the root cause of all the problems are material desire, greed, calm, growth, loba. From karma and loba come krodha. But modern society is promoting this. You don't have a television, devotees, then you don't have a television, but those who do have televisions, if they turn it on, then they're immediately attacked by calm, clothed, and low. Calm means uh, material desire, especially sexual desire, so that's promoted in the TV. Loba in the advertisements, buy this, buy that, and Kroda. The, the two subjects on TV, the main ones are... Uh, Sex and violence, karma and crowing, and the advertisements, loka. So, as I say, you don't watch television. Even these so-called uh, informa- educational programs, like Discovery Channel, it's all bogus. It's all promoting Darwinism, directly or indirectly. So devotees, they don't waste time with these useless things. But uh, 
they're thinking that by promoting calm, growth, and noble, the society is progressing. But according to Shastra, it's going backward. Now, as I say, the Renaissance in Europe arose due to the uh, intellectual inadequacy of the worldview given by the Christian churches. Actually, there weren't so many Christian churches. After the Renaissance came this, uh, this Protestant Reformation, and they made then they made so many churches because they disagreed with the authority, with the church in Rome, that's in Western Europe. And then once they started, once they rejected the authority, then no one else can follow. Once someone has rejected their authority, then if they try to become an authority, then others will reject their authority. There's no basis for the authority. So that there is so, and then the idea is that well, you just read the book and then you directly link with God or something. It's like ridiculous. You see, it's just like uh, there's no authority. So everyone's their own authority. But uh, the Renaissance, a, a major part of that was a rejection of the old worldview given by the uh, religious system. So the religious systems uh, of the Christi Christianity was inadequate to explain uh, astronomy. Of course, you get fanatical Christians who say that yeah, that God made the world in six days, and but even they have to uh, say, well, actually, the six days weren't exactly days as we know them, 24 hours. Of course, if there was no, if there was no universe, then how would you say six days? Because a day is a relative term which is measured by the motion of the planets, and the day in Jupiter is going to be different to the day on Earth. So, I mean, what do you mean by day anyway? So the the whole thing, you get, uh, and there are many Christians in America who believe all in Noah's Ark, and they believe it's all, they, the earth was created 6,000 years ago, according to the Bible, they think this is true. But actually it's scientifically uh, inadequate, and inadequate in many other ways. So the reason that the Western worldview was rejected, or the Christian worldview was rejected, was because it, it didn't tally with observable reality in so many ways. When, when it attempted to explain, of course, spiritual knowledge is beyond observable reality, but when it, a, a scripture attempts to describe observable reality, or that which, that which is uh, observable, and it uh, makes a bad job of it, then you begin to doubt everything that the scripture says. So there was a problem with the religious system, and actually there are many problems with Christianity. Just like they say, well, God, God died, they killed him. He was dead for three days. And uh, they say you have to bathe your body, and you have to bathe in the blood of Christ. Well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, literally, it sounds very horrible. Uh, and if it's not literally, then what does it mean, actually? They just tell you this, but what does it mean? I don't think anyone even thought about it ever once in the last 2,000 years or so. They just say it, like, you have to bathe in the blood. What does it mean? It's meaningless, actually. Or they say that God loves you, but if, if you don't... Uh, 
if you don't bathe in the blood of Jesus, then he burns you in hell forever. So, I mean, there's serious problems with this, with this theology. I mean, any sensitive and intelligent person would have problems with that. That if God loves you, then why would he burn anyone in hell forever? Just because they made the mistake of not being bathed in the blood of Jesus, when you can't even understand what that means. So, uh, the, the, the Renaissance and out of that gradually came uh, secular worldviews, humanistic worldviews, and then gradually totally materialistic worldviews. So, Christianity was seen to be not uh, capable of explaining uh, everything that we perceive in the world and, and lacking in so many ways. And the, uh, now the, the Western worldview is seen to be cracking up. The, the, I mean, the world is... Uh, actually, the whole history of the Western world is, is one of... Even though they call it progress, it's been, with scientific discoveries, uh, it, it's been a very, very horrible history, actually. It's killing and exploitation and in so many ways. Uh, so many horrible things. So... Um, my proposal is that it's about time that Indians woke up and had their own renaissance and, and showed how the knowledge of Shastra it can be practically applied. It, it is the highest knowledge and it can be practically applied to uh, solve all problems of human society. Prabhupada made that bold claim that Krishna consciousness can solve all the problems of society and the real problem that everyone has is Janma Mrityu Jaravyadhi Dukkha the misery of repeated birth, death, old age and disease so actually this higher level of consciousness uh, that is the basis of uh, Indian's, traditional Indian civilization but neither uh, Christianity or the other Abrahamic religions, nor the Western materialistic worldview are able to provide that. I mean, just like, for instance, you'll find in the Upanishads, the Kasmin Vigyate Sarvam Idam Vigyatam Bhavati. The question comes, what is that knowledge by knowing which everything else is known? I mean, this is, this question is consciousness raising, isn't it? trying to understand what is that knowledge which covers everything. And that is, of course, that's explained therein in the Kartabha Upanishad. But uh, more uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, which is the summary of all the Upanishads, we find Yoma Meva Samudho Janati Purushottamam Sasarvavit Bhajati Mam Sarvabhavena Bharat. Krishna says, one who knows me without doubting. He knows everything. So Krishna is everything. Knowing Krishna means knowing everything. This, this very, uh, this way of thinking, of trying to understand that the knowledge, the underlying principle of everything, is uh, unique to Indian culture and the fact that they're not just asking the questions but giving the answers and giving practical needs that means it's called yoga to actually understand 
that knowledge, that knowledge, it's not simply, it's not something you can go to university and get a degree in self-realization. It doesn't work like that. One actually has to control the mind and senses and can become free from lust, greed, anger. Yamana moha jita sangha dosha. One should be free from mana, from pride, uh, illusion, and conquer over all these uh, bad effects of uh, materialistic association. Anyway, I don't have so much time to get into this, but my point is that India really does have uh, a very great culture, but Indians are enamored by the Western culture, which is actually much, uh, in all ways, scientifically and definitely in terms of uh, philosophical approach, in, in terms of... Uh, sensitivity to life I mean, in the western world they, they think it's just normal to have slaughterhouses, it's come to India now no one could have imagined but it's come even in, in India when they first wanted to introduce pesticides many farmers they didn't agree how can we just kill all the insects now everyone just thinks it's normal killing animals and India has become very degraded by the Western way of thinking. Otherwise, for centuries, <laughs> yeah, don't give these toys to your children. Really. Teach them about Krishna. Please don't give this. This kind of toy will pollute their consciousness. Really. It may seem harmless, but the cumulative effect of all these things is that they become not Krishna conscious. So, yeah, wake up to your own culture. Take it up. Take it seriously. And in all respects. Culture, dress, style of food, outlook on life. I mean, all these... Uh, in Indian culture, they're all centered on self-realization, which culminates, of course, in Krishna consciousness. So, yeah, it's a big topic, which I could speak on much longer, but I'm just giving dig darshan, some little idea. Don't be embarrassed by your culture, rather you should. They say, gar se kaho, ham hindu hai. But even though you say it proudly, I'm a Hindu. But Hindu itself is a foreign word. That word is not coming, we won't find it in Shastra. It's given by the Muslims. So, pride, uh, take pride in our culture, that means not the uh, pride in a bad way, but uh, you should know that this culture it, it has, is the actual original culture which is given by Bhagavan for the uplift of human society. So India actually is the most advanced country in the world. It's specifically stated in Shastra that the, India is the place where people can make spiritual advancement best. And all the avatars, they mostly appear there. Ram, Krishna, <laughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, 
you know, because people are more ready to receive it. So, Hare Krishna, is there any questions? Uh, please ask them. Teach your children and learn yourself about Rama, Krishna, Rishimha, Vamana. Study the books, understand Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is completely different from this, uh, as I was saying, you just believe in it or you go to hell. It's not like that at all. It's Krishna is telling us, he's giving him scientific knowledge. Jnanam, Jnanam teham sa vidyanam, Krishna says. You find this word vidyan again, again, again and again in Bhagavad Gita. Yes, please. What is your question? Why is it that messenger in this universe, in this planet, there are so many messengers of God have come? But uh, for example, in uh, Islam and Christian and so yeah. many messengers they call the messengers of God have come. But God's message is the same. But why is the principle so conflicting from people? Why are they conflicting? Different messengers of God come in different cultures and why are they conflicting? Well, there are two reasons for that. Uh, different messengers speak on different levels according to the ability of people to understand. Just like uh, in the primary education, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is taught. It's mathematics. On a higher level, uh, it becomes much more complex. It's still mathematics. You shouldn't try to teach trigonometry to kindergarten children. You can teach them one plus one equals two. So in the same way, in different areas of the world, people are more ready for, by their cultural background for higher knowledge. Therefore, in some places, only lower principles are taught. And another reason is that the message gets messed up also by the people who receive it, especially those on a lower level of consciousness. They tend to mess it up more. So that's the reason. Basic principle is non-violence. Uh, yeah, that's true. But meat-eating is emphasized in almost all The meat-eating is emphasized, yeah. It's allowed in Vedic culture, under restriction. It's also allowed in other cultures under restriction. They, they uh, removed the restrictions practically and made it an everyday activity. Yeah, anything else? About Sanatana Dharma. Sanatana Dharma, yes. What about it? You want to know? Sanatana Dharma means Krishna consciousness. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We are all Jivas, we are all His eternal servants. So Sanatana Dharma means to recognize one's position as the servant of Krishna. Anyway, I'm not going to take more questions now because I have to move on. Uh, that's what you can't learn everything in five minutes. That's why one should come regularly and hear and study the books Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Ramayana, all these books. So please read Prabhupada's books very carefully. As you so kindly come to hear, it's not just a kind of pious function, but one should. Sometimes people, they think, well, we'll come in here and we'll just kind of get some blessings, but actually you're supposed to learn something. So I try to teach something. So if you'd like more lectures, uh, please take them. And 
Hare Krishna, I'll have to move. Actually, if you want to hear more, you can go five minutes drive from here. Is it ten minutes maximum? Okay, Hare Krishna, thank you again very much for coming. I very much appreciate it. I know you all have busy schedules.